The weather was horrendous. A storm was brewing as Stephen and his wife Tabitha were driving through the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. From a distance they could see a building, massive, bright white and with a crimson roof that made it stand out against the dark clouds. The hotel that was dawning before them had been recommended by some of the locals and as they checked in they were informed that they would be the only guests staying in the hotel that night as the hotel was about to close for the winter. They had dinner in the dining room, which except for them was abandoned, with the chairs being placed on top of the tables and canned orchestra music echoing down the hall. Whilst the storm raged outside, they made their way through the wide halls to their room, 217. As Tabitha went to bed, Stephen decided to roam the halls of the hotel. He went down to the hotel bar, where drinks were served by a bartender named Grady. Stephen returned to his hotel room and went into the bathroom. Pulling back the pink curtain for the claw-footed bathtub, a thought popped into his head. What if someone died there? Stephen was, at this time, experiencing a bit of a rough patch in his life. He was struggling with alcoholism, he was working as a writer, but he was experiencing the worst case of writer's block. And on top of all of that, that night, he had a nightmare. I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, and within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking over the windows at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. It would be the story of a man, a writer with terrible writer's block and struggling with alcoholism, who takes his family to a grand but abandoned hotel about to close for the winter season. The hotel would be just like this one, big, empty, daunting and haunted. He would call it the Overlook Hotel. The man's name was, of course, Stephen King. And the story that had begun in his mind would grow out to be one of the most iconic books and films of all time, The Shining. But this is not a story about Stephen King. This is a story about the hotel that inspired it all. Because however much we might wish it sometimes, not everything is fiction. It's time to check into the Stanley Hotel. Let's knock on some doors and see which real ghosts may lurk behind them. Hello and welcome to Certainly Strange, episode 41. Today we are visiting one of the most famous haunted locations in the entire world. Of course, made famous by the book written by Stephen King and the film directed by Stanley Kubrick. But even before The Shining, with its iconic ghosts like the dog suit man and the bathtub lady, the Stanley Hotel had a history with ghosts. Quite a lot of ghosts, actually. And as Stephen King wrote in his novel, Every hotel has got a ghost. Why? Hell, people come and go. Sometimes one of them will pop off in his room, heart attack or stroke or something like that. Hotels are superstitious places. No 13th floor or room 13, no mirror on the back of the door you come in through, stuff like that. So, without any further ado, let's knock on some doors of the hotel rooms and see which ghost stories await us there. First, 
As we arrive at the hotel, we must, of course, cross the lobby. In July 2009, a woman was walking in that same lobby. She had just gone into the gift shop to buy some postcards and she was looking down at them when she saw a pair of legs come into view. Politely, she took a step to the side to let the person pass, but the legs moved to the side as well and again blocked her path. Frustrated, the woman looked up to see an old man with a pointy beard dressed in clothes that seemed out of place. She watched as the man walked away towards the lobby's fireplace. The moment the man was out of view, the woman rushed to her friends who were standing a bit further away, waiting for her, and she told them about the strange man she had just seen. And then another woman approached her. The woman led the group of women to an antique Stanley Steamer automobile that sits in the hotel lobby. There she pointed at a picture, the picture of a man with a pointy beard. The woman agreed, this was exactly the man that she had seen. The trouble was, he was the hotel's owner, F.O. Stanley, and he had been dead for nearly 70 years. Next to the lobby is the billiard room, which was one of the favourite rooms of Mr. Stanley. It is no wonder, then, that he is said to haunt this room in particular. Once it is said that the ghost of Mr. Stanley appeared in the room when a group of tourists were touring the hotel. But F.O. Stanley is certainly not the only ghost to haunt this grand hotel. One night in February in 1984, a night bellman was working the front desk when, to his surprise, he could hear footsteps coming from the hotel bar. He leaned over the counter to see who it was, and in the reflection of the lobby windows he could make out the vague figure of a woman. She was wearing a long, pale dress that reminded the bellman of the Southern Belle style. The bellman quickly left his station to meet the woman and to see if she could be of any service to her, but when he arrived in the side hall, near the windows, he saw nobody there. Some years earlier, in 1976, a lady was working the night shift at a lobby when she suddenly heard music coming from the dining room, which was once the hotel's ballroom. But when she made her way over there to see where the sound was coming from, nobody was to be seen. Still, according to the lady, she could see the keys of the piano move as if someone was playing it. It is said that it was F.O. Stanley's wife, Flora, who is playing the piano. One time in 1994, a guest said that he actually saw a young woman playing the piano who vanished in front of his eyes. And as we remain in the dining room, it seems that Flora Stanley is not the only one providing some ghostly entertainment for the guests of the hotel. The room is said to be host to a phantom party something that also features as part of the ghosts in The Shining. It is said that the lights of the dining room have a tendency to flicker on and off, which on itself is not very compelling evidence for a haunting, especially in such an old place, but guests have also called the hotel's lobby on occasions complaining about a party going on in the dining room with music and the sound of people talking, when in fact there is nobody there. But we have only explored the hotel's public spaces. It is now time to knock on a few doors of the rooms of the hotel and to see the permanent guests staying there. 
Let us start at the top of the hotel on the fourth floor. The first door that we visit is that of room 428 to meet perhaps one of my favourite ghosts ever, though it is hard to beat a whole ghost party being held in a ballroom. It is said that room 428 is haunted by the ghost of a cowboy. When guests stay at this room, it is said that they see the image of a ghostly cowboy appear on the corner of the bed, sometimes giving guests a ghostly kiss. So if being kissed by a ghost is on your bucket list, you know where to go. Though there is no report of a cowboy ever dying at the Stanley Hotel, some speculate that this ghost is that of Rocky Mountain Jim Nungand. Nungent was one of the first guides of the area where the hotel stands, arriving there in 1868. He was a broad, thick-set man with long brown, unkempt hair, on top of which he wore an old cap and a grey hunting suit which was worse for wear. Seeing his ghost must be a quite a grisly sight, as he lost his eye when attacked by a grizzly bear in July 1869. Which, by the way, is cool as hell. Explorer Isabella Bird, who once met him, said that the loss of his eye made one side of his face repulsive to look at, whilst the other half, she said, was beautiful, or as she described herself, it might have been modelled in marble. Which kind of makes him a sort of two-faced from Batman, or perhaps like the Phantom of the Opera. And in my eyes, that makes him an even cooler ghost. I mean, can you imagine seeing a sort of man like that standing at the corner of your bed in the middle of the night? Jim Nungent would be killed in 1874, being shot by one of his rival guides by the name of Griff Evans. And I recommend you remember that name. Now we stand in front of room 418. Listen closely at the door. According to some of the cleaning staff, many strange noises can be heard coming from this particular room. When they come to clean it, they say that sometimes you can see impressions on the bed as if someone is sitting on it. Once uh, a man and woman had been staying in this particular room, 418, and when they came to check out early in the morning, they complained to the receptionist that the children playing in the hallway had been keeping them up all night. But, the receptionist explained, there had been no children staying at the hotel at this time. Still, they were not the first guests to complain of these noises. And the guests complaining of these noises of children in the hallway at night were always guests staying in room 418. Only some doors down, in room 407, it is said that another ghost wanders. Sometimes, a ghostly face can be seen looking out of the window of this room, whilst nobody is staying there. Guests say that the ghost of an older man stands in the corner of the room, sometimes turning the lights on and off when no one is touching the light switch. Who is this man? Many people agree that it is the ghost of the Earl of Dunraven, who, if my research is correct, was called Windham Windham, which, if that is correct, will be really funny. He was a huge fan of hunting, this Windham Windham, 
which he did along the North Platte River in Wyoming with none other than Buffalo Bill as one of his guides. He also became familiar with the Estes Park, which he later would describe as a sort of sportsman paradise, with rushing streams and peaceful meadows teemed with fish and an abundance of deer, elk and bear. In 1874 he wrote, The air is scented with the sweet-smelling sap of the pines, whose branches welcome many feathered visitors from southern climes. An occasional hummingbird whirs amongst the shrubs. Trout leap in the creeks, insects buzz in the air, all nature is active and exuberant with life. The climate is health-giving, unsurpassed, as I believe, anywhere. None can appreciate it except those who have had the good fortune to experience it themselves. The Earl then proceeded to buy the land, in quite a nasty way. First of all, because the land did not at all belong to the settlers, but instead belonged to the Ute and Arapoa tribes that lived there. I'm not going to go too much into the legal talk about how the Earl used some really shady schemes to buy the land. It's rather boring and it's just really annoying that some people just have and always will be greedy little bastards. But what is important is that one of the first people who was in favour of the Earl's plans for the area was a man by the name of Griff Evans. Yes, the very same man who murdered the ghost cowboy of Room 428. Small world, isn't it? It is speculated that one of the reasons that Evans shot that man, Nungent, is because Nungent was opposed to the Earl's plans. Griff Evans was eventually arrested for the murder, but was very conveniently acquitted of the crime. Perhaps because he had a, a rich earl as a friend? Which, sure, would be enough for me if I was a cowboy who was murdered to haunt the place. The legal mess the earl got into because of his shady business eventually led him to sell the land to F.O. Stanley, who we have already met. It is quite understandable that the Earl would haunt this hotel, as Stanley succeeded where he could not. The Earl's own hotel, which he built on the grounds, burned down in 1911, probably during a heavy thunderstorm that we'll feature on later in this episode. But before we get into that thunderstorm, first a word from one of my friends over at the Boopot Network. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. And we're the hosts of Haunted or Hoax, a paranormal investigation podcast where we investigate the legends and history, not just the ghosts. Our locations range from houses down in Savannah, Georgia, murder houses in the Midwest, to hotels in West Virginia. Additionally, we get together and go on ghost tours and bring the legends and history to you. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss the legends, history, and experiences from haunted locations. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye! Now we move on to the most famous room of the entire hotel. It is the exact room in which Stephen King stayed that one night when he came up with the story of The Shining. It is the famous room 217, featured in The Shining book and later turned into room 237 in Stanley Kubrick's film. It was changed at the request of the hotel because they were afraid that no one would want to stay in room 217 after that story. But of course, today, 
room 217 is the most famous and most wanted room of the entire hotel because that is just the way people are and the room is said to be haunted by the ghost of a chambermaid called Elizabeth Wilson. It was the evening of June 25th, 1911, when a thunderstorm raged over the country. The Stanley Hotel was a very modern hotel, its founder being an inventor. There were telephones, automobiles and, yes, even electric lights. But during this heavy storm, the power was cut and the hotel fell into complete darkness. The hotel's guests were all taken down to the lobby whilst the staff were charged with lighting the backup gas lamps. This is when chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson entered room 217 with a lit candle, not knowing that there was a gas leak in this room. There was an instant explosion, destroying nearly 10% of the hotel. And to everyone's surprise, Elizabeth Wilson was lucky because she lived. She was hurled from the second to the first floor, crashing into the dining room and only breaking both her ankles in the fall. Still, her spirit is said to haunt the room. Guests say that items are moved, luggage is unpacked and lights are turned on and off when no one else is there. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, it is undeniable that the Sanya Hotel possesses the power to invoke both fear and fascination, and maybe a bit of a scratch on the head to ask yourself, hmm, perhaps ghosts are real in some places? So what are my personal thoughts about the Stanley Hotel? Well, Stephen King is right when he said that every hotel has got a ghost. After all, so many people pass through its doors every day and the Stanley Hotel certainly has a rich history with some figures that would fit haunting it. But still I wonder how much of the Stanley Hotel is truly haunted and how much of it is people simply hoping that is haunted and seeking out a haunting. After all, it is perhaps the most famous hotel in the world and it is famous for its fictional ghosts. And would it not be intriguing for staff to lie and tell ghost stories to profit off of this popularity? Because I would personally find this very understandable. One good ghost story is better marketing than a thousand positive reviews. Still, I think that some figures that have history with the land and the hotel could possibly haunt between its walls. Most of all, the ghost cowboy who was murdered. Not because I, I want to, just I, I mean, I think it would be really cool. Imagine being a cowboy and then, and then becoming a ghost. Then you like become two of the coolest things that you could ever be. But perhaps his story is also only told because it is simply a good story. Who knows? What do you think? Let me know. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Certainly Strange. If you like it, please consider leaving behind a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And again, if you have a theory on your own about this topic, don't hesitate to share it with me on Instagram at Certainly Strange the Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. And once again, thank you for listening.